0: The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at ActsChurchLeander.com. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me, up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I would pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. Cancel the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord.
1: We're going to pray one last time just that God speaks as our littles head out the back. Heavenly Father, Lord, I give you thanks. Lord, as we continue to uh, wrestle and learn and come closer to you in stuff and lies that we believe in our mind. Lord, we pray that you speak. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we are in a series called Head Trash. And I talked about last week how the idea of head trash came from a mentor of mine. And he was pouring into me, and I said, hey, is there anything that you see that's really stopping me from taking that next level of following God? He said, well, Josh, you've got some head trash. You have lies that you're starting to tell yourself, and those lies are stopping you from following God. And that really, that conversation was fairly pivotal in my life. It allowed me to start taking a step back and saying, hey, what's going on in my head that isn't of God? And so this series, we're talking about things like shame. We're talking about things like insecurity. We're talking about things like anxiety. Today, though, we're going to be talking about resentment, which actually pairs pretty well with last week's shame, right? So shame is something we put on ourselves. It has to do with our own internal mistakes, and what we carry around because of that. And so really, shame is a personal thing. Resentment, though, is when someone else makes a mistake, and we carry around that mistake with us. And all of us have been wronged, right? Everyone in this room has been hurt in some form or fashion. They might be small hurts or small slights. Someone may have gossiped about you at the office, or someone may have taken credit for something that you did. Or there might be some deeper slights. Things like abuse, things like betrayal, things like adultery. Right? All of us in this room have been hurt, and how we deal with that hurt is what we're going to be talking about today. For our definition of resentment, what we're going to be going with comes from, as always, the Google... A persistent feeling of indignant, displeasure, or ill will at someone who has wronged you, insulted you, or injured you. It's so that persistent aspect. We carry that around with us. Someone hurts us, and we carry this scar, right? And all of us get hurt, and it's okay to get hurt, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But resentment isn't just being hurt or being wronged. It's that persistent feeling of being wronged that you still project towards that other person. And resentment's kind of weird because you almost get a high from it. You can almost, you don't feel good about what someone else has done, but when that feeling starts to bubble up inside of you, you kind of get this high, and, you know, you'll, you'll text someone and be like, isn't this person just a jerk? You want some kind of Satisfaction from what has happened. And that's where resentment comes from, right? But the irony of resentment is that it's sort of like taking poison and assuming someone else is gonna get hurt, all right? You have this feeling of ill will, of displeasure, and you live in that, and you take it, you take on that burden, assuming that that other person is going to be the one who actually has to carry it, that they're going to feel the effects of it. But that's not how resentment works. That's not how reality works. Instead, it becomes a piece of head trash that takes up space in your head, in your heart, and it affects your relationship with God. It affects your relationship with others. It affects your relationship with the world. That piece of head trash is actually toxic. It is literally poison in what God is trying to do in and through your life. And God had a solution to this because all of us have been wronged, right? Every person in this room has taken one on the chin when they didn't deserve it, right? That's sin. That's the brokenness of the world that we live in. And that's the story that our God enters into, right? So you read John. And John 1 and John 20 is the bookends of the book. And it starts off by saying why Jesus came. Then John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Right? So John opens up and it says, This is why Jesus came. To take away sin. To take away brokenness. To take away all the shame and all of the destruction that sin has wreaked on God's creation. And then it ends. Jesus dies on the cross. He pays the price. He takes the ultimate sacrifice. He says, put all the sin, all the darkness, all the evil, you can put it all on me to wipe the slate clean. And what does he end? He says, again, Jesus said to them, his disciples, that's you and me, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. It's all about Forgiveness. Because really, when you think about it, and the more I spent time thinking about this message, the more I realized that what makes Christianity unique, among any other religion, is not our moral teachings. If you went to a mosque, they would tell you you're supposed to love your neighbor. If you went to a synagogue, they would tell you you're supposed to love your neighbor. If you were a Buddhist, they would tell you you you're supposed to love your neighbor. The moral teachings are pretty similar. What makes Christianity unique is that for us, the central heartbeat of what God is doing, the first step is all about forgiveness and reconciliation. That's the unique factor of Christianity, is that we have a God who starts off by forgiving us, and then he says, guys, I want you to pass that forgiveness on. And it's from passing that forgiveness on that things like reconciliation can actually happen and we can truly love our neighbor as ourselves. Because here's the deal. If you haven't forgiven your neighbor, if you haven't forgiven your family, you're not really loving them. It's inauthentic. It's fractured. It's not complete. And we have a God who says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full pure love, true love, but that can't happen without forgiveness. And so that unique aspect of Christianity is what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get there, I just want to take a step back and really talk about what forgiveness is not. Because again, some of us in this room have had some true trauma that has happened because of what other people have done to us. Emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. That hurt, that pain. If we don't understand what we're talking about, the abuser can actually tell lies about what forgiveness is or we will tell lies to ourselves about what forgiveness is. And so the first truth we have to understand is forgiveness is not denying or removing the pain that was caused. Right. So to say, I forgive you, does not mean... That nothing wrong happened, that I wasn't hurt, that I wasn't damaged, that I wasn't scarred. That is not what forgiveness is. We see this in the Psalms. This comes from when David is being chased by King Saul, not of his own making. Saul was punishing David for things he didn't do. He destroyed his home, he took his family away, he's living in a cave. Saul has wronged David. And what does David say? He doesn't say, hey, no problem, I'm going to forgive you, there's no hurt here. No, he writes, the cords of death have entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. He says this hurts. This is bad. He doesn't pretend that something wrong hasn't happened. So forgiveness is not pretending that something evil or that you haven't been hurt. That is not what forgiveness is. The second thing goes with it. Forgiveness is not excusing or forgetting that something has been done wrong to you. Forgiveness is not saying, you know what, yeah, you hurt me, but it's no big deal. Yeah, I was in pain, but you know what, there's there's no trauma. That is not forgiveness. That is not scriptural. Again, going to the Psalms. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie in wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine. David does not write in the Psalms, hey, it's no big deal that these people are hurting me. It's no big deal that they have offended me or there is offense in their behavior. Forgiveness is not saying, "Ah, it's okay for me to be in pain. Forgiveness is not saying, it's okay for you to cause me pain. And last but not least, forgiveness is not complete restoration of a relationship. This is something that those who are Christians or those who profess to be Christians can really do a lot of damage with. Because we can say, well, you have to forgive me in an abusive relationship. You can say, you have to forgive me if you're following Jesus, if I did that. And they're, what they're saying is, you have to be completely okay and you have to completely restore this relationship, but I'm not gonna change. That's not reconciliation and that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we each have to do internally, but that is not reconciliation. That is not amending of a relationship. Those are two separate things, and we actually see this right before the Scripture reading that sets up today, right? So today's Scripture reading is all about forgiveness, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But right before then, literally before Peter asks, how many times must I forgive my brother, Jesus says these words. He says, if your brother or sister sins go and point out their fault just between the two of you, right? So if there is some cause or some offense, Jesus says, go and talk to that person about it. If they listen, you've won them over. But if they don't listen, if there isn't some change, if there isn't some understanding, you know what, yeah, I've done something wrong, well then take two or three others along so that the matter may be established by the testimony of two or three other witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Jesus says if they're not willing to reconcile, and reconciling literally means that both sides are coming together and saying, you know what, there is brokenness, there is damage, there is sin, there is offense here, and both of us have to work at have going taking that next step. If they're not willing to reconcile, Jesus says you don't have to be in that abusive relationship anymore. You don't have to stay in that space anymore, right? That said, let's talk about what forgiveness is. It's not denying pain, it's not excusing behavior, it's not even complete reconciliation, but it's also not just an action. So sin destroys the world. It destroys all the relationships. Every relationship you have has been marred by sin. God's solution to sin was to say, I'm going to be the first one to forgive. I'm going to be the first one to say, even though you you have offended me, you as my son, you as my daughter have offended me. if If it's not one thing, it's the other, right? We just sang the song. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to wipe that slate clean. And then out of wiping that slate clean, I'm going to love you. What happens is that starts to repair the relationship between us and God. And that forgiveness is how we start to repair the relationship between us and everyone else. And so for Christians, it's not a one-time thing. It's not even an action. It's literally the thing that connects us together. It's the thing that allows us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what the scripture is getting at today. That's what the parable is getting at today. So we're going to go into that in a second. But before we do, we got to understand how—oh, actually, before we do that, Jesus, let's talk about him for a second. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you who were disconnected from God, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ, a.k.a. you have been brought near through forgiveness. For he himself, this is talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, right? So all that brokenness that's been in our relationships, all that hurt, all that time that we've taken it on the chin, he says, he's destroyed that barrier by setting aside in his flesh the law, the commands, and the regulations. You see, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. I love this, right? this new way to connect to one another, a new type of humanity out of two, thus making peace. And his his body reconciled both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Again, through the cross, through forgiveness, he puts to death hostility. And he came to preach peace to you who are far and peace, peace to those of you who are near. You see, forgiveness is literally how we not only connect to God, it's how we connect to each other, it's how we connect to everyone, All right? And that's what Jesus is getting at in our gospel reading today in this parable. But to understand parables, this is the thing you have to understand. Parables are not a one-to-one ratio. So you don't read through a parable of Jesus and say, okay, who is the king in this story? Who is the servant in the story? Sometimes we can look and be like, I got to find the hidden deep truth in a parable, but That's not how parables work. It's much more like a joke. The joke is about the punchline, not about the setup. Right? So to, to lighten things up a little bit, a mom went to visit her son at college, and she showed up and she found out that his roommate was an attractive lady. And so they're sitting, they're eating dinner, and she's watching her son and this young lady get along, and she's thinking to herself, I wonder if they're boyfriend and girlfriend. I wonder if they're more than just roommates. And her son, looking at her, says, well, you know, Mom, I know what you're thinking, but we're just friends. And her mom says, oh, okay. Mom leaves, and a couple days later, the female roommate comes and says, have you seen the silver plate? I swear, it was here before your mom came, but ever since she's been here, it's gone. And the son says, I'll tell you what, I'll reach out to my mom. So he sends his mom an email. It says, dear mother, it was great having you visit. There's just one problem. Since you've been gone, the silver plate has been missing. Now, I'm not saying that you took it. I'm only saying that since you've been gone, the plate's been gone. Love, your son. A couple days later, the mom responds, and it says, dear son, it was great visiting you. Now, I'm not saying that you're sleeping with your girlfriend, and I'm not saying you're not sleeping with your girlfriend, but what I am saying is if she was sleeping in her own bed, she would have found the silver plate underneath her pillow. <laughs> punchline, right? The point of the joke is not to, so who's the mom, who's the son, who's the daughter? What's the silver plate represent, right? The point of the joke is to get to the punchline, and that's how we have to understand when we're reading parables, all right? So let's just go through the scripture. Now, the setup comes when Jesus talks about, hey, forgiveness, taking the church, bringing in, trying to make reconciliation. And Peter asks the question, well, how many times are we supposed to do this, though? How many times are we supposed to forgive, right? Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Now, seven was an interesting number. It's a holy number in scripture, but within the Jewish culture at that time, The rabbis would tell you, if someone sins against you, you should forgive them up to three times for the same type of sin, right? So if they speak back to you, if they cheat you, whatever else, three times you should forgive. So what Peter does is he's thinking he's being a good guy. He doubles that and he adds one, right? How many times, God? Seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some of the Greek manuscripts actually say seven times 70, which is a lot. Right? You're, you're thinking too small. And then he tells this parable. Right? The parable goes like this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began his settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. So a huge amount of money, right? 10,000 bags of gold. This is a ridiculous number in uh, the New Testament. Uh, 10,000 talents is what it is. This is more money than Caesar had, right? So this is a ridiculous debt the servant has uh, brought up. But since he was not able to pay him, The master ordered that he and his wife and his children all be sold off to repay the debt. Now, if this was a one-to-one ratio and the king is God, God is kind of a jerk in this text, right? I mean, yes, someone owes him, but God acts really, really, really maliciously. So again, this is not a one-to-one ratio. Who is God in this? We're looking for the punchline. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled all the debt. This ridiculous debt, right? 10,000 bags of gold, more gold than anyone would ever have. There's no reason why you just cancel this debt, right? But the master does. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who had owed him just 100 silver coins, a fraction, literally not even 1% of what he owed the master, And he, this first servant, grabbed the other and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Right? That same phrase. But the first servant refused and said he went off and he had the man thrown into prison (laughs) until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went off to tell their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all you owed because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just that I had on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all he owed. For this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. And that's the punchline. The punchline is forgiveness is not picking and choosing when we want it to enter into our life. Because we can't. Forgiveness can't work like that. Sin destroys everything, right? Corrodes relationship. It corrodes our relationship with God, with others, with the world. We talk about this a ton. The solution is forgiveness. But what we sometimes think we can do is live in the light of forgiveness in our relationship with God, but not have that same light in our relationship with others. And that's not how light works. You can't be like, I want to be in the light here, but I want to be in the darkness here. Then you're not in the light. If you can imagine God wanting to reconnect everything, right? So this beautiful painting where where there was division, where there were things that were ripped apart, relationships that were ripped apart, families that were ripped apart. So I want to put it all back together. And the thing that ties it all together is this lifeblood of forgiveness. Is this lifeblood of saying, I'm not going to hold this head trash, this junk this animosity inside of me anymore. Because if we hold it inside of us, what happens is it chokes off everything else. It disconnects us from one another. It disconnects us from God. So it's literally all in on this forgiveness thing and saying, you know what, God, I I don't want to have to hold this in anymore. Or saying, no, I would rather hold on to this resentment. I would rather keep this Scar, badge, baggage, as opposed to living in the freedom that you're trying to offer me. Because, guys, really hear this clearly forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts God gives. The ability to forgive, the ability not to have to carry that around anymore, that hurt anymore, is beautiful and liberating and life giving. And even if you never reconcile with the person you forgive, right? and sometimes that's going to happen, right? For a bunch of different reasons, full reconciliation, full restoration isn't possible. The ability to forgive that person is. To not have to carry around that resentment will allow you to connect to God and everyone else in a whole new way. And that's what God is after for you as his child. To not have to resent anymore, to not have to carry around that negativity anymore, but to be replaced with that light and that love of God that reconnects us to everything else. This is hard, though, right? Because we've got those scars. And a lot of times, resentment becomes like an old friend, right? We're so familiar with it It's been in our lives so long, it literally is like a friend. But it's an abusive relationship, right? It's not helping us. They're not helping us. But we're so used to it, we don't know what it would be like without it. So so what's the solution? I've told this story before, but for me, this is the one that echoes it the deepest. There was an African-American pastor that I heard preach once. And back in the 80s, he had moved to a school that had been historically white, And he was the first African-American to ever go to the school. And he was in middle school, and he was walking home, second or third day, and a group of white boys saw him walking home, and they just went to town on him. And they had him outnumbered five, six to one, and they just beat him to a pulp. And he shows back up at home, and he is bloody, and he is bruised, and he is broken, and he is mad. He has been hurt, and he is justifiably angry, right? And he goes to his mom and his mom sees him and his mom's heart breaks. And she's tending to his wounds and she's talking to him and he just keeps on saying how angry he is and how he is going to get justice and he is going to go and one-on-one take retaliation on what has happened to him. And his mom said this, and he goes, and this changed his life and his ministry and how he looked at relationships going forward. And he goes, sweetie, you, you can go and you can do that. You can continue that cycle where an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth Or we can pass on what Jesus has passed on to us, and then she quoted him this verse. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice, resentment. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. He goes, son, we have a God who forgave everything you've done and everything you're going to do. She goes, if you have the ability to pass that forgiveness on to others, it is going to change your relationship with every person you come in contact with. And you don't have to carry that hate. You don't have to carry that burden anymore. God has something better for you has something more beautiful for you, more life-giving for you, more liberating for you, and quite frankly, it will be make you stronger than anyone else you come across. Because quite frankly, hate is easy. Forgiveness though, that's hard but it's strong and it's powerful and it's redemptive and it's restorative and it can create beauty out of mess. And God says, that's what I have for you as my child, something more beautiful than anything you ever imagined. And it starts with understanding that we receive forgiveness from him and that lifeblood flows out of us and it changes how we connect to everyone else, how we interact with everyone else. So what does that look like in the life of the church? Well, for us, it's a rhythm where we go before God and say, we still need forgiveness. Literally, I kid you not, last night I was talking with someone, uh, a new family at the church, and they're like, you guys talk about that we're sinners and we need forgiveness. And there was just dissidence with some of their experience they'd had at other churches. The reason why we do, the reason why we build it into a rhythm as a church is not so people feel like crap, right? The goal is not when people come in the door, we really want you to know that you suck, Right? That is not the point. <laughs> the point is we're all broken. We're all sinners. We're still wrestling with God. And so every week we come in and we get to be refreshed. And we get to be honest before God. And you know what, God, this week I still mucked it up again. And what we hear is I forgive you and I love you. And the promise that as the Father is sending me, I am sending y'all. And when you say your sins are forgiven, God says your sins are forgiven. That forgiveness beats in our heart. And then we get to pass that on as we leave. We get to relieve that burden from other relationships in our lives. It's literally the prayer he taught us, right? Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's the heartbeat. It's the natural effect of his cause of forgiveness. And so we build into a rhythm as a church. God, we want to be honest before you. That, yep, we're still broken. Yeah, we still hold resentments. Yeah, there is still some muck in our lives. And he says, and I love you, and I redeem you, and I refresh you, and I send you out to be agents of love and redemption and forgiveness. And all of a sudden, that trash in our head changes. He replaces it with something beautiful, something powerful, and then that changes how we connect to everybody else. Changes how we connect to our coworkers. Changes how we connect to our fellow students our neighbors, when there's some damage or brokenness that's been done, God shows up and he says, I got something better for you. It's going to be life-giving and it's going to be beautiful. So we're going to have that time of repentance, that time of, God, I still need forgiveness i invite the band up. They're going to start us off with a song that kind of is going to help us focus on that. And then we're going to receive forgiveness. God says, hey, I'm going to break my body for you. I'm going to shed my blood for you. I'm going to give you communion and unity, a new covenant, a new way to connect to me. We get to connect to him through communion and communion. We get to connect to each other as well. Joel, pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a loving God. And Lord, that first step of love came through the forgiveness, came through the reconciliation of your son. But Lord, that means we gotta be honest with you that we're still working it out. That often we still try to be you. We still try to control others. We still get upset and have all kinds of malice when others hurt us. Lord, we come before you asking for forgiveness. Lord, we also ask you that you would help teach us to forgive those who have wronged us. Lord, this isn't a one-time thing. Lord, some of us in this room might not be ready for that just yet. We might still be holding on to something. And if that's where we're at, Lord, I pray that you help one step at a time, one breath at a time, help us loosen our grip on that resentment. Lord, that one day we may be fully able to say, I forgive. Lord, not have to carry that around anymore. Lord, that we may be liberated to love as you have loved us. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Continue our worship.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.